Our scripture reading this morning comes from Isaiah 43, 1 through 7. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead. Since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give men in exchange for you and people in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, who I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Thank you, Julia. I appreciate that. Well, good morning. There's a book out by a wonderful woman, Rebecca Solnit, who wrote a book, A Field Guide to Getting Lost. And she uh, is part of Search and Rescue in the Rocky Mountains and wrote a book uh, all about the experiences that happen out there. And she tells the story of, of a little boy, he's 11 years old, and he was with his family, and they were playing a family game. The little boy was deaf and partly blind, losing his sight. And during the game, he, he strayed away from his family, and he got lost uh, from his family. And they had given him a whistle for such occasions, because it happened every now and then, so that when he knew he was lost, he would blow the whistle and, and people would find him. But what he didn't realize is that he had strayed uh, close to uh, a river. And so as he blew the, the whistle, the river sound uh, took over. Nobody could hear the whistle. And so all night long, he was out and uh, blowing the whistle, and then he decided just to hunker down and go through the night. And in the morning, he woke up and again blew the whistle, and the search and rescue found him uh, in the morning. He was cold, uh, but he was okay. And Rebecca writes in her book, search and rescue experts say that the key to survival often hinges on one thing, knowing and admitting that you're lost. Knowing and admitting that you're lost. Kids are found much more often than adults because they will shelter down and they'll wait for the rescuers. Many adults will try to save themselves and, and, and feel that they can figure a way out of their situation. And so they wander off even further from a place where they can be rescued. Kids do not desperately try to save themselves. And they're not afraid to admit that they need help. And again, they are found more often And she writes in her books, if only we, when we are lost, would stop and admit our desperate need for help. 
Let's pray for that this morning. Heavenly Father, many of us, during this journey of our faith, we've strayed away from you. And maybe we're at that place right now. And I pray for us this morning that through your Holy Spirit, you would show us and reveal to us, open our eyes that we are lost, that we've wandered away. And Father, I pray that uh, through your Spirit, you will prompt us uh, to blow our whistle, to realize our desperate need for you, for salvation and rescue. And Father, we thank you that you come and you rescue us, and you deliver us, and you free us, and you save us from, from our desperation and our, our desperate times. You save us from our sin, and you give us new life. So minister to that to us this morning that truth and minister to us your comfort and your peace and your salvation this morning in your precious name amen well israel as we've been following them through the book of isaiah is lost they seem to have lost their sense of who god is actually and they seem to have lost their idea and their knowledge that god is their salvation he's their rescuer that that He is their Heavenly Father, tender and loving. They seem to be lost. And in that place of being lost, and in captivity in Babylon, it seems that they have lost not only their, their sense of God, but in that, that they've lost their identity of who they are as children of God. They've lost their value, They've lost their purpose. They've lost all of who they are. What was their purpose? What was God ministering through all the generations to the people of Israel? The reality is that they were the chosen ones, right? We see that all throughout Scripture. God came and He loved them and He chose them. He made a covenant with them. They were meant to be light. Isn't that what the Lord says about us? You are salt and light. What is our purpose? You're to be salt and light. You're to be ministers of reconciliation. You're to be those who bring the new covenant to people's lives. You're those who, to bring truth into people's lives. God made Israel for purpose, just like he made you and me. And they were meant to be a blessing, and we are as well. And yet they swayed, they got too far away, they weren't hearing the voice of God. Part of that was because of their sin and rebellion, and they're just trying to live life on their own. That's our subtle swaying and our subtle sin, isn't it? We're, we're just going to try to live each day on our own. We're not seeking after the Father, we're not looking to His truth, we're not spending any time with Him, and so we get further and further away. Israel, again, had gotten to that point. And as they got further and further away, losing who God is and His awesomeness, and losing their purpose and their identity and their value. They are deaf, and they are blind, and they are lost, but they're not blowing the whistle. But the truth is, and what God keeps wanting to reveal, is that He is their salvation, and He's our salvation. In chapter 42, starting in 14, 
He says this, For a long time I've kept silent. I've been quiet. I've held myself back. But now, like a woman in childbirth, I cry out. I gasp. And I pant. I can't keep letting this happen. And so here's the promises of God. Chapter 42, 16. I will lead the blind by the ways that they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them, and I will make the rough places smooth. These are the things that I will do. I will not forsake them. Promises of God, you can bank on it. He's not okay with his children wandering off. He's not okay with them being lost. You can only imagine the parents of that lost child. That's how the Heavenly Father feels. And he wants to rescue them and deliver them. But they will not blow the whistle and acknowledge that they are a lost people. They're in desperate need of a Savior. But he's going to step in, even in the middle of that, even in the middle of our brokenness, and not recognizing that we're lost. As we get into verse 19 of of chapter 42, he says this, or verse 18, excuse me. Hear you deaf, look you blind, and see. Who is blind but my servant? Who is deaf like the messenger I send? Who is blind like the one in covenant with me? Blind like the servant of the Lord. You've seen many things, but you pay no attention. Your ears are open, but you do not listen to me. We see two different servants in this chapter. As we studied last week, speaking about the servant song of the Lord, and the Lord is is ministering to us His servant, His Son Jesus. He's the one who's going to open up the eyes of the blind. He's the one who's going to deliver. He's the one who will come in to our midst and help us as we are lost. And we see this beautiful servant who is salvation. And then we see here in chapter 42, who is blind but my servant and deaf like the messenger I send? And you go, wait a second, what servant is that? Well, he's speaking of Israel here. He's speaking of all that Israel was meant to be. I had to send my servant Jesus because you as my servant were not leading the people like you were intended to be. You were not the light and the blessing that you were intended to be. You're a people in covenant and you weren't ministering that, the covenant relationship with me. Two different servants. And he wants to wake them up. Do you see all you're intended to be? You're intended to be living out all that my servant does in purity and in righteousness. To live out the life of God, to live out hope, trust, to be ones who minister the gospel, the good news of who God is and His Son Jesus. He gives us the image of Jesus, the perfect deliverer, and then the people of Israel how they missed their calling to be like Jesus, to be like the Lord. And as he speaks with his children, it's it's like a parent dealing with their children, isn't it? Would you just listen? Would you pay attention? You're not. You feel like the Lord is grabbing their, their face and would you look at me? 
I'm talking to you. I'm trying to tell you this is how you have good life. I'm trying to tell you this is the way to go. And you're not paying any attention to me whatsoever. You've seen so many things, but you've paid no attention to them. You've seen all of the experience and the deliverance of the Lord. You've experienced His discipline, yet no response. You're meant to be so much more. And now people are trapped and in prison with no one to rescue them. No one's bringing the hope and the truth and delivering the people who are lost. Which of you then, verse 23 says, will come and pay close attention to things to come? Blow the whistle. Recognize your need for help. And what God does is He will rescue you. And then what He does with all of us is He does this amazing heart surgery on us. And that's what we need. We need a reformation of the heart. I really appreciate what Ray Ortland Jr. says. He says this, Reformation is God renewing in our hearts a passionate clarity about His purpose for us. It's God reawakening in us a love for His truth and His standards. It's God preparing us for the display of His glorious salvation. Oh, that's so good. God reawakening us, His purpose for us. And God will be glorified. He will be known. And when He transforms His people, when He transforms us, and as He moves His life living out through us, He is glorified. Others see Him through us. That's what Israel was intended to be. That's what you and I are intended to be. That our lives glorify, make Him known, make Him understood, show Him, reveal Him. That's our purpose in relationship with Him. As we love Him more and more, and as He transforms our hearts, people go, whoa, what is that about you? You're a new person. He's glorified. And that's what He's saying of Israel. I want to be glorified through you, but you are not blowing your whistle. You're not recognizing that you've drifted off. And so I will come in because I will be glorified, God says. Now let's look at chapter 43, this beautiful passage that Julia read. At the end of 42, he says this, They would not follow his ways. They did not obey his law. So he poured out on them his burning anger, the violence of war. It enveloped them in flames, yet they did not understand. It consumed them, but they did not take it to heart. So God is disciplining his children. It's having no effect on them. They're not taking it to heart. It it reminds me of of when I would be disobedient and uh, my father was out of town and my mother would try to discipline me. And I might have shared this before, but it was one of those times where my mother was just so angry. I was really a rotten little kid, and and she needed to discipline me. So she put me over her knee, and and she went to spank me. But all she had was one of those rubber flip-flops, those sandals that you wear. And so with all her force, 
she was spanking me, and every time it hit my bottom, it's just bending up, and there's no effect whatsoever. And, and I didn't respond to the discipline at all. You know, I should have responded to the fact that I really had hurt her, you know, which is, which is what we do to God. We break his heart in our disobedience. And so he tried to discipline his children, but they didn't take it to heart. And so as a parent, what do we do when our children don't listen to us the first time and our discipline comes in? We go, well, that didn't work. So now we're going to think of another form of discipline so that we can shape our children, right? Isn't that what we do? We look for another way to discipline our children. And that's what I was expecting as we got into chapter 43. I was expecting as we went into this chapter that God's response to the people who were just rebelling against Him and they weren't listening to His discipline, that He was going to come in with more. But God's response to His children who had lost their sense of Him as a Heavenly Father, who had lost their identity, He says this, blows me away. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, He who formed you, Israel, do not fear, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name and you are mine. So instead of coming in with more strong discipline, what we get here in chapter 43 is grace upon grace. They were disobedient. They deserved to be disciplined. That's righteous judgment. But he comes in with grace upon grace. Gentle, tender shepherd, yet he's powerful and awesome. And there should be consequence for our sin. But look at the words he used. He who created and formed you. You're not just an accident. Some science tries to teach us that we just came out of the soup. You're not an accident. You're created and formed. You're transformed into a new being. Jacob, you became Israel. You who were deceptive and running away from me, Jacob, you've now become he who strives with God. That's what God does. The Lord in the beginning of chapter 41 was portrayed as creator of the universe. Now he's shown to us as creator of Israel. The idea is he's the potter who is molding us, intricately involved in making each and every one of us. Not a detail about us that he doesn't know. That you are created and formed, that you are redeemed. The idea of a kinsman redeemer, one who will avenge you, one who is bought with a price. That's who you are. You've lost your identity because you've strayed away from me. And you've lost your purpose because you've strayed away from me. And now I want you to be drawn back into my love through my grace. What you need to know about me is that I am a God of grace. I will deal with your sin. It doesn't mean it's a free card. You get out. I will discipline you, but I will walk with you through that. Because I love you. I have called you by name. And it's a name 
really an idea of it's a name of renown. It's a name that is known. I've called you by name. You are valuable and important. And I know you. I put you together for purpose. I know exactly what you're all about and what you're intended to be. I love the movie Miracle. Did you see that movie? About the 1980 Olympic hockey team, men's hockey team, where they went on to beat the Russians, which everybody was surprised about, and then they won the gold at the Lake Placid Games in 1980. The, the movie centers around the coach, Herb Brooks. Herb is called in because he's a successful coach. And he's called in and they have a, they have a tryout in Colorado Springs in 1979. And they bring all these players in for a week-long tryout to see if they'll make the Olympic team. And so Herb shows up and the players come out. They're an hour on the ice. And Herb picks his team that day one day, and he's walking out to his car, and then Walter, who's the head of the committee that brought him in, and part of the American Hockey Association, comes out and says, whoa, whoa, hey, I think we might have a problem here. And Coach Herb says, well, what's the problem? Well, there's a lot of people who actually would like to have some input into your uh, selection. He's like, well, that's not going to happen. He says, no, no, you don't understand. You don't understand all that we did. All that we did to put these kids together and to bring them out here. And all that we did to make the selection process happen. And Coach Herb says, I didn't choose that. That was you. That doesn't affect me. And Walter, part of the committee and part of the heads, well, we need to go up and we need to talk to these guys. He's like, no, I'm not doing that. He says, you gave me the responsibility to select this team. And I selected the team. He said, how in the world could you select? You only had maybe, what, an hour on the ice? You don't know these kids. And he says, I know each and every one of these kids. He goes, I've been following these kids for years. I've coached a lot of these kids. I've watched all their videos of all their games. If I haven't seen them or know them, I went and I met with their coaches for days and days to hear about who they are, their character, what their strengths are. I know each and every one and their purpose. I've selected each and every one for a specific purpose on this team, and I am the coach, and I know what's best. This is my team. And so Walter had to go back and report, this is his team. And he knows best. And they go on to win the gold. You see, God knows each and every one of us by name. He knows exactly what we're intended to be. He knows our value. He knows our worth. And he wants to minister that to us. I know you by name. I know what you're all about. Blow the whistle. Open your eyes and see. Because I'm coming after you in my grace. You are mine. You belong to me. You are my... I told you this a couple weeks ago. You are beloved. You cannot forget that about who you are as a child of God. You're beloved. Even right in the middle of your sin. Here's the truth about all of us. We sin often. We don't desire to stray away from God. We actually don't really desire to sin, but we do in our brokenness. 
And yet He still calls us beloved. He still comes after us. He still has purpose and value for our life. Recognize your brokenness. Recognize your need for me. Let me minister to you. I will forgive you. You are mine. It's like in Toy Story with Woody and Buzz. They're wondering about their belonging and their value. They, they think they're just stupid toys. And then they remember under their foot Andy's name's written on there. You belong. You have an owner. Someone who chose you. Who loves you. When you pass through waters, I will be with you. Verse 2 of chapter 43. When you pass through rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Martin Luther King was an amazing man. I learned some things about him just in his spiritual life. He was an incredible man for racial justice, nonviolent resistance, but he had a deep, deep faith. And in a book by Charles Marsh, Welcoming Justice, he talks about King's faith. In January of 1956, he had gone out and, and done some speeches about justice, And like he would get very often, he would get phone calls. He said he'd often get 30 to 40 phone calls a day with people yelling at him, angry, cruel, violent words. And on this particular night, it really affected him. He was down in his kitchen, and his his hands, his head was buried in his hands, and he was just crying out to God. And Martin Luther King Jr. says, Jesus spoke to me that night. He spoke to me that night. And Jesus said, keep on fighting. Keep on fighting. Keep on speaking. But he said, the words that stuck with me from our Lord to me, Martin Luther King Jr., in the middle of that night in Alabama, 1956, was, I will walk with you. I will walk with you through this. And that's what the Lord wants us to know. We go through the rivers. We go through hardship. We go through difficult, difficult times. Some of that's because of our sin, right? But even in that, even in the discipline of the Lord, He says, I will walk with you through that. I will restore you. I will renew you. I will not leave you. You will not be washed away. Down river. Yeah, the water's come, but it's not going to take you out. The fire's going to burn, but it's not going to consume you like we saw in Sonoma County. I was just there just, just uh, the other day. Amazing. Houses totally decimated and gone. Smoke still filling the air. God says there will be fire. You will go through it, but you're not going to be engulfed in flames. It will not destroy you. Receive God's grace and more grace. And the reason we won't be destroyed is because He is with us. And it's God's promises. And it's God's presence. And it's God letting us know exactly who He is. Because we've lost our sense of God. And Israel had. And so He says in verse 3, I am Jehovah. I'm the existing one. I'm the relational God. It's the proper name of the true God. I am Jehovah. Don't forget it. 
I am Elohim. I am ruler. I am judge. I'm mighty and I'm powerful. Don't forget who I am. I am Kadosh. I am sacred and I am holy. I am set apart. That's who I am. I am Yadash. I am your savior. I am your deliverer. This is who I am. Do you know God this way? Do you know his grace? He will walk with you through whatever you're going through right now. And we need to be reminded, Israel needed to be reminded of who he was. He will reform our hearts. And then he goes on in this most beautiful verse. This is the verse you need to highlight in your scriptures. And Adrian reminded us of it this morning. He goes on to speak his love for us. You are precious and honored in my sight. And because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. You are precious. You are esteemed. You are costly. You are honorable. That means you're heavy. Heavy with value. You have so much value. That's what you need to know, beloved children. You are costly, of of most precious value, incredible weight. You're honorable to him. You know, American agencies have tried to, to put a price on human life. They really have. It's a statistical value of life, they call it. They try to, to show you what, what each life, how much should we spend to prevent a single death? What's the value? So we can try to figure out how to move ahead together with the value of life. Unbelievable. The Environmental Protection Agency set a value of $9.1 million. Food and Drug Administration says you're worth 7.9. Transportation Department says you're worth 6. And God says there is no price. You are so valuable to me. And for whatever reason, you've lost your identity and who you are to me. I will go at great lengths to bring you back. For those of you who've strayed off, I will go at great lengths to deliver you. I will go through peoples. And he's speaking of Egypt, and it's kind of a hard verse. You're like, how does the Lord go through and and basically he crushes other people so that Israel can be saved? And that will always be a hard one for us to understand, but the reality is of Egypt. Egypt was also under judgment of God for their sin. And God was going to deliver his people. Passover was coming. God had been laying all these plagues on Egypt. Remember that? And then he killed their children. The cost, the cost to deliver Israel was high. It was costly. I will go at incredible lengths to deliver my covenant people, my children, and rescue you. I will destroy enemies for you so that you might be delivered and know that I am God and know my grace. You are the chosen one. Nothing will hold me back from loving you. And ultimately, that payment, that costly payment, will be his son Jesus. 
That's the ultimate price. And you will bring glory to my name, and I will be known. And my goodness and my grace will be known. I will do all of this. Why? Because I love you. You are beloved of God. So don't be afraid. I will be with you. I will return my sons from distant lands. I will bring them. I will bring them back home. He says, I promise you, I am going to bring back my offspring, the seed of Israel. I will bring them back home to Jerusalem. It will come to pass. It's this beautiful picture of God's restoration of His people, but not only just people who are are Israelites, but people who are children of God, the seed of Israel. That's you and me. Those who respond to the love of God, those who surrender our lives unto Him and say, You are my God. Those who seek God to save them from their sin and they are rescued from that. I will bring them back home for the people of Israel into Jerusalem, for us as a whole people into eternity. I'm going to bring you home. It will all be restored. Sons and daughters, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. And as you respond to me, and as I walk with you through this, and as I remind you of your identity and your value to me, and as you live transformed lives because of all that I've done in you and through you, what God says I will be glorified in that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we are so valuable to you. And I pray for each and every one in this room, if they do not know that value, Father, through your Holy Spirit, pour out your love upon them and your grace. May they know that right in the middle of their messed up lives and their sin, that you want to draw them close to you and that you will forgive their sin and renew them and restore them and give them purpose. So, Father, minister to us this morning through your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your amazing love for us, each and every one. Thank you for the lengths that you will go so that we might be rescued, saved. Thank you for your son, Jesus. In your beautiful and precious name, amen.